This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. On the evening of June 30th, 2006, 10-year-old Morgan Smith and his family sat down to a meal of fresh rainbow trout grilled over an open fire. The summer evening was cool and the air was clear at 10,000 feet in Colorado's San Juan Mountains. Morgan was camping with his father, Robert, and his 15-year-old sister, Michaela, just as they did every Father's Day weekend. The kids always looked forward to this annual trip. It was an opportunity to bond with their father while their mother stayed at home and got a well-deserved week to herself. Robert took the sizzling trout off the fire and handed plates to the kids. The delicious aroma had their mouths watering. As they dug into their meal, Morgan felt his gums begin to itch. He had food allergies, and from past experience, he knew this was the first sign of a reaction. But he wasn't allergic to fish. To be on the safe side, Michaela retrieved a bottle of Benadryl and gave her brother a tablet. Normally, that was all that he needed. But this time, Morgan didn't feel any better after he took the pill. He was having trouble breathing. Robert could hear him wheezing. Morgan's father was confused and alarmed. He realized his son needed to get to an emergency room as soon as possible. But the closest town, Lake City, was 20 miles away, down a treacherous mountain trail. Robert didn't know if they would make it in time. Morgan was only getting worse. When our bodies fail, we trust doctors to diagnose the problem. But medicine isn't always an exact science. Sometimes it's a guessing game with life-or-death stakes. This is Medical Mysteries, a ParCast original. I'm Molly. And I'm Richard. Every Tuesday, we'll look at the strangest real-life medical cases in history and the experts who raced against the clock to solve them. As we follow these high-intensity stories, we'll explore medical research that might solve the puzzle. You can find episodes of Medical Mysteries and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Medical Mysteries for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Medical Mysteries in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. 
This is our first and only episode on sudden severe allergic reactions, an increasingly common medical emergency that can be fatal if left untreated. This week, we'll explore the terror and frustration that crops up when people like Morgan Smith react to something they were never allergic to before. To explain how this is possible, we'll cover what actually goes on in the body when reactions occur. We'll also examine some of the most common allergies and how the afflicted have learned to cope and lead normal lives. Finally, we'll describe the dangers of untreated allergies, including death. More than 50 million Americans, like Morgan Smith, experience allergy symptoms annually. In fact, allergies are the sixth leading cause of chronic illness in the United States, and treating them costs around $40 billion each year. While some allergies are relatively harmless, others can lead to severe, life-threatening reactions known as anaphylaxis or anaphylactic shock. This manifests as low blood pressure, shortness of breath, throat swelling, and vomiting. Without urgent medical attention, anaphylaxis can be fatal. The moment Morgan took a bite of trout, the clock began ticking. Luckily, Morgan's father, Robert, knew what to do, thanks to millennia of research into allergies and anaphylaxis. Some of the earliest writings on food allergies come from the ancient Greek physician, Hippocrates. Born around 460 BCE and widely regarded as the father of medicine, he specifically questioned how some people were intolerant of dairy products. Why did this substance, which nourished so many, make others sick? There seemed to be no explanation. Some assumed allergies were a sign of physical or mental weakness. Others believed they were a curse by the gods or the result of witchcraft. And black magic remained a popular explanation for centuries. In 1483, Richard, the Duke of Gloucester in England, used his allergies to help bring down a political opponent named William Hastings. Richard's brother, King Edward IV, had just died and Edward's son and heir was only a child. Richard had been named as Lord Protector of England until his nephew was old enough to rule on his own. But Richard had no intention of letting that happen. He conspired to get rid of the boy's strongest political backers. One of whom was William Hastings. Hastings had previously been Richard's friend, but Richard now suspected that Hastings was planning to assassinate him. So, Richard came up with a plot of his own. Richard sent a summons to Hastings, inviting him to a council meeting. Just as Hastings arrived, Richard ate several strawberries, even though he was severely allergic to them. When hives erupted on his skin, Richard accused Hastings of committing witchcraft. Charging him with treason, Richard ordered his immediate execution. It was carried out later that afternoon. A few weeks later, and thanks in part to his strawberry allergy, Richard succeeded in having himself declared King of England. King Richard's story illustrates that even though allergies were well known in the Dark Ages, no one understood what caused them. But things had changed over hundreds of years. 
and when Morgan Smith experienced symptoms of anaphylaxis, his dad knew it was probably triggered by an allergic reaction to something he'd eaten. Except Morgan's symptoms didn't make logical sense to Robert. His son wasn't allergic to anything on their plates that night. He had several known food intolerances, including peanuts, tree nuts, and sesame, but allergy testing had cleared him to eat fish. Nevertheless, Morgan was having trouble breathing. Robert needed to act fast to save his son. Severe allergic reactions can kill patients within only an hour. And Benadryl wasn't helping. Morgan's body was waging a war against itself. The human immune system is made up of white blood cells called leukocytes that circulate through the bloodstream. They act like guards patrolling a perimeter, constantly on the lookout for invaders, germs, and other pathogens. When these dangerous substances are present, white blood cells attack and destroy them. But in people with allergies, like Morgan, the immune system mistakes harmless substances for dangerous ones. These include things like bee pollen, pet dander, and certain foods. As a result, the troops are called out and the body launches an immune response in an effort to expel the invaders. That is, invaders who don't exist. It's like if an actual guard patrol attacked an empty space, their weapons would destroy the land and maybe the fort itself, all for nothing. When it comes to allergies, the chemicals released, such as histamine, cause the itchy eyes and runny nose so common among those with seasonal allergies. The cells that release these immune response chemicals are known as mast cells. Mast cells get their instructions from antibodies, also known as immunoglobulins. One, called immunoglobulin E, is primarily responsible for allergic reactions. It's typically abbreviated as IgE. When specific pathogens, called antigens, enter the bloodstream, they stimulate the formation of IgE and other antibodies. These antibodies remain in the bloodstream afterward. If the antigen is encountered again later, the antibodies immediately recognize it and attack it. The more often the antigen is encountered, the stronger the response becomes. But when the antigen is harmless, like pollen, the immune response becomes a nuisance, causing the unpleasant symptoms of allergies. The system is working overtime for no good reason, and some allergy symptoms, like the throat swelling closed, can be deadly. As Robert Smith saw his son wheezing next to the campfire, he knew Morgan was in trouble. His body was going to kill itself in a fight with these antigens. He still couldn't believe that it was an allergic reaction, but it was the only thing that made sense. So Robert moved quickly, rummaging through the family's camping supplies. He was looking for the one that could save Morgan's life, an EpiPen. Robert knew if he wasn't able to find it, Morgan would certainly die there, up on that mountain. Seconds could make the difference between life and death. Coming up, Morgan takes a turn for the worse and sends his family on a white-knuckling race down a mountain. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some... 
the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now, back to the story. On June 30th, 2006, 10-year-old Morgan Smith and his family spent the day fishing before returning to the remote campsite to make dinner. Robert Smith, his father, didn't think twice about serving him the trout they'd caught that day. In fact, both Morgan and his sister were excited to try it for the first time. But within minutes of taking his first bites, Morgan started showing symptoms of anaphylactic shock. Inside Morgan's bloodstream, antibodies known as IgE were going berserk. They were sending signals to mast cells in his body's tissues. In response, they were releasing a flood of substances, including histamine. Morgan's heart rhythm was tachycardic. It was simply beating way too fast. At the same time, the histamine in his blood signaled his arteries and veins to relax, causing his blood pressure to freefall. Morgan's father, Robert, recognized the signs of anaphylaxis, itchiness, troubled breathing, and Morgan's high pulse. He frantically searched around the camp for Morgan's EpiPen. This was a life-saving device that could reverse the effects of anaphylaxis by administering the drug epinephrine. Also known as adrenaline, Epinephrine is naturally produced by the body's adrenal glands. A synthetic version was developed in the 1980s to help those with deadly allergic reactions. Delivered as a shot, the drug raises blood pressure and opens airways. It also helps the heart to pump more efficiently. So, when Robert finally found the EpiPen, he didn't waste any time. He injected Morgan. The EpiPen delivered a large dose of epinephrine. It constricted his blood vessels, which increased his blood pressure. It also helped his heart to pump more efficiently and relaxed his airways so that he could breathe more easily. But Morgan wasn't out of the woods yet. The effects of the EpiPen might begin to wear off before the allergen left his body. Just as Robert was putting his son into the back seat of the SUV, Morgan started getting nauseous. He climbed back out of the vehicle and threw up. It was good to get the food out of his body, but the allergens were still in his bloodstream. That meant Morgan still needed to see a doctor. Once everyone was in the Land Cruiser, Robert took off from the campsite. They headed down a rough dirt trail that was filled with roots, rocks, and ruts. It was 19 miles down the side of the mountain, an unthinkable distance on a dirt road during an emergency. The closest town was Lake City, a small community of about 400 people. They had passed through it on their way camping. It only had one paved road and no stoplights, but there was a small medical center. Bumping down the trail, the front wheels went airborne on several occasions, and Robert had to fight to keep the vehicle under control. He knew it was important to get Morgan to the hospital quickly, but he also knew that if he crashed the Land Cruiser, Morgan wouldn't stand a chance. As they made their way down the mountain, Robert tried dialing 911 several times, but it was pointless. In the wilderness, there wasn't any reliable cell service. 
Robert's mind was spinning. He didn't have any idea what was really happening inside his son's body. If this was an allergic reaction, how had it happened? Could he have developed a new allergy? Was that even possible? While they drove, Morgan's sister Michaela distracted him by quizzing him on multiplication tables and asking him to describe his favorite scenes in Harry Potter. Morgan responded and remained alert. The EpiPen had brought them some valuable time. But Robert was still worried. If this was an allergic reaction, should he pull over the car and give Morgan another shot of epinephrine? He remembered his wife saying something in the past about some reactions needing two shots. Was this one of those reactions? How could he know the difference? As these thoughts raced through his mind, he saw a pickup truck coming at them from up ahead. It was a fire department vehicle. Robert brought the car to a stop. He told the driver what was happening and asked him to radio the local hospital. That way, they'd be ready to treat Morgan when he got there. The driver did more than that. When Robert turned his Land Cruiser onto the paved road at the bottom of the mountain, he was met by a police car and an ambulance. It had been about 30 minutes since the reaction had begun, and Morgan's time was running out. EMS personnel loaded Morgan into the back of the ambulance and sped him off to the hospital. When Morgan arrived, the emergency room staff immediately went to work. Nurses placed IVs in both arms, hooked him up to a heart monitor, and gave him oxygen. His heart rate was still elevated and he was panting, but his blood pressure and oxygen levels had returned to normal. That was good news. It showed that the epinephrine had done its job. Techs came in to perform an EKG and chest X-ray while the nurse hurried down to the lab to drop off his blood. Since Morgan was doing so well, the doctor didn't order any additional epinephrine. That was only necessary if the symptoms didn't improve. Instead, she simply instructed the nurses to give Morgan fluids through his IV to ensure he remained hydrated. She also had nurses put Morgan in the Trendelenburg position. That meant Morgan laid flat and the bed was tilted back so that the head was below the feet. It helped to ensure that sufficient blood flowed into the heart and other vital organs. Robert and Michaela watched with a mix of hope and fear as the medical staff worked on Morgan. Robert felt a little better now that the doctors were treating his son, but he couldn't calm down until he had an explanation for what was happening to Morgan. Thankfully, it didn't take long. Most of the tests came back normal. Morgan's blood pressure was stable and he was breathing fine. His chest X-ray was clear and the EKG showed a normal heart rhythm. However, his blood work showed that the enzyme tryptase was elevated. Together with histamine, tryptase is one of the chemicals released by mast cells during an allergic reaction. The presence of elevated tryptase in Morgan's blood proved that he had, in fact, suffered a severe allergic reaction. The EpiPen had saved Morgan's life. Morgan had been able to survive that long drive down the mountain because of his dad's quick thinking. If not for that injection, it's unlikely he would have made it to the hospital. In fact, studies have found that delayed use of epinephrine was a risk factor in virtually all cases of death by anaphylaxis. 
In a U.S. study, only a third of those who died from allergic reaction received epinephrine within an hour of exposure. That same study showed that among those who had a near-fatal reaction, none had received epinephrine at the first sign of anaphylaxis. Thanks to epinephrine and other standard life-saving practices, out of every thousand emergency room visits for anaphylaxis, less than one proves fatal. Even among those who require inpatient hospitalization following anaphylaxis, only 1% end up dying. Luckily for Morgan, he was part of that large majority. He was doing so well that he didn't even have to be kept at the hospital overnight. Robert was overjoyed to learn that Morgan was going to be okay, but he was at a loss to figure out what he'd eaten that had caused his reaction. It seemed obvious that it was the rainbow trout, but previous allergy testing had shown that Morgan wasn't allergic to fish. Robert didn't know if that meant that the allergy tests had been wrong or if his son had somehow developed a brand new allergy. Either way, he worried it meant he'd have to relive this nightmare of a day again if Morgan suddenly had another surprise allergic reaction. And the next time, they might not be so lucky. After returning home, Morgan underwent further testing, including an allergy prick test. The test was created by physician Charles Blackley in 1859, who sought to find the source of his own hay fever. He noticed one day that he suffered an allergy attack after his children showed him some grass they had collected. Thinking it might be the pollen in the grass that he reacted to, he began experimenting on himself. He started by rubbing different kinds of pollen into his eyes to see if it caused itchiness or sneezing. Then he massaged pollen into scratches on his skin. When he did, he found that it created small red welts, just like during an allergy attack. Without realizing it, he'd invented the basic idea of the allergy skin prick test. Today, these examinations are a lot more formal than Blackley's version. Nurses will mark a spot on a patient's back or arm, then place a minuscule droplet of the allergen on the spot. Next, they'll administer a quick, painless pinprick to dry the allergen under the skin. They can administer up to 40 pricks at once, testing dozens of allergens in a single session. If the patient develops irritated welts at the site of the injection, usually within about 20 minutes, this is evidence that they have an allergy. Although skin prick tests involve intentionally triggering a reaction, they're generally considered safe. The skin on the back is far enough from any vital organs that doctors can usually control the response. And a benefit is that a patient can get the results almost immediately. Through a skin prick test, Morgan's allergist confirmed that he had, in fact, developed a new allergy to fish. Robert and his wife were stunned to learn that food intolerances can sometimes develop later in life, even in adulthood. They left the office feeling the way a lot of people feel after allergy testing. Relief at knowing what was wrong, but a nagging fear that this could all happen again. And if Morgan's allergies could just change without warning, how could they ever keep him safe? Coming up, we'll delve into how human beings develop allergies. Now back to the story. 
A week after being discharged from a small mountain hospital in the summer of 2006, 10-year-old Morgan Smith and his parents received alarming news. His allergist said that he'd developed a new allergy to fish. His mother and father were taken aback. They had never thought that he could develop yet another deadly intolerance. They were worried that this could happen again in the future with a new food. It was something they'd have to prepare for. The allergist assured them that while it was scary, it wasn't all that uncommon for new allergies to appear. More than half of adults with food allergies develop them during adulthood. According to Dr. Ruchi Gupta, a pediatrician at Lurie Children's Hospital in Chicago, more adults have food allergies than children. Dr. Gupta stated, food allergies occur in children at a rate of about one in 13, but adult food allergies impact one in 10. And it seems that severe allergic reactions are also becoming more common. According to the American Academy of Allergy, Asthma and Immunology, from 2008 to 2016, visits to the emergency room for anaphylaxis tripled among children. They also increased for adults during this same period. Anaphylaxis sends more than 40,000 Americans to the emergency room every year, and several hundred die annually from anaphylactic shock. This is in line with an increase in food allergies over the last 30 years. In the UK, allergies to peanuts increased by 500% from 1995 to 2016. A similar uptick was seen in the US. Since 1985, all food allergies have increased by nearly 1,000%. Scientists have worked to determine the cause of this shocking spike. Researchers have put forth several theories over the years to explain it. The first and most common is called the hygiene hypothesis. This theory suggests that our lives are too clean. Antibacterial soap, hand sanitizer, and germ-free homes prevent our immune systems from developing correctly. As a result, they malfunction, leading to an increase in allergies. This idea first arose in the late 1980s, when British epidemiologist David P. Strawn found that children from large families were less likely to suffer from hay fever and asthma than children with few siblings. He theorized that the larger families exposed children to more germs and microbes, thereby strengthening their immune systems. Then, in the 1990s, German pediatrician Erika von Mutius began a comparison study of children who'd formerly lived in East and West Germany. Believing that pollution was involved in the development of intolerances, she expected former East German children to show more allergies and asthma due to the poorer living conditions in their country. But what she discovered was the opposite. The East German children had lower rates of allergy and asthma than their counterparts in the more prosperous and developed West Germany. Additional studies since that time have shown similar results illustrating that people in undeveloped regions and nations are less likely to suffer from allergies. While this hygiene hypothesis is widely accepted, others believe that there is more to it than cleanliness. Some have blamed vitamin D deficiency for the rise in allergy-related asthma. 
Since modern children spend more time indoors than kids in the past, they don't get as much sun exposure. This reduces their levels of vitamin D, an essential nutrient for lung and immune system development. Childhood allergies are definitely on the rise, and hygiene or vitamin deficiencies may be to blame. But what makes new ones pop up in older children and adults? To better answer that, we first need to take a look at why allergies exist in the first place. Even long before modern cleanliness standards came into play, people were suffering from reactions to food, insects, and environmental substances like pollen. It's easy to understand how most immune responses developed. Our ancestors were under constant attack by new and exotic germs. As New York Times columnist Carl Zimmer wrote, Natural selection favored mutations that helped our ancestors fend off these attacks, and those mutations accumulated to produce the sophisticated defenses we have today. So a strong immune response was preferable to a lax one, and researchers further established an explanation for allergic reactions in the 1960s when the antibody known as IgE was first identified. We've already established that IgE is the immunoglobulin that stimulates mast cells to release histamine and other chemicals. These chemicals contribute to the common symptoms of allergies and anaphylaxis. In 1964, parasitologist Bridget Ogilvie of the British National Institute for Medical Research was investigating how the immune system dealt with intestinal worms called nematodes. In the course of her research, she discovered that when lab rats were infected with these worms, they produced huge quantities of IgE. The IgE would then signal the immune system to attack the worms and destroy them. Other scientists picked up on Ogilvy's research. In the 1980s, they discovered that proteins on parasitic worms strongly resemble the proteins found in many of the most common allergens. This led researchers to several conclusions. First, while parasitic worms were a major problem for our human ancestors and are still an issue in developing countries, they are rare in the nations that experience the highest rates of allergies. So with nothing else to do, the IgE in some people's bodies began to target similar-looking proteins found in foods, environmental substances, and insect venom. As David Dunn of the University of Cambridge stated, Allergy is just an unfortunate side effect of our defense against parasitic worms. While this remains a leading theory on the development of allergic responses in humans, not everyone is convinced. Ruslan Medjitov, an immunologist at the Yale School of Medicine, believes that experts may have the very basis of allergic reactions wrong. Medjitov believes that in allergic people, Allergens aren't immune system overreactions at all. Instead, the allergens actually damage these people's cells. He demonstrated this in a study of bee venom, showing that it tore open and damaged cell membranes. This, according to Medjitov's theory, is the real explanation for why we have allergies. Because in some people, allergens are actually not harmless. Dr. Stephen M. Gawley of Stanford University conducted a series of experiments that seemed to back up Mejitov's theory. 
he injected a sting's worth of bee venom into lab mice, causing an allergic reaction. Three weeks later, he injected the same mice again, this time with a lethal dose of bee venom. Gali found that among mice who'd been exposed to a small dose three weeks earlier, 80% survived the lethal injection. Among those mice who had not received the small dose first, less than 30% survived the lethal dose. Studies with snake venom had similar results. This showed that the initial allergic reaction from the small dose helped prepare the mice for future attacks by the same dangerous substance. The allergic reaction they experienced wasn't pleasant, but it saved their lives. By this theory, allergies are something between a red flag and a vaccine. Unfortunately, even after all of this research, doctors still don't understand what causes these allergies to develop in adulthood, or even in later childhood like with Morgan Smith. With no way to stop these intolerances from showing up, sufferers can only adapt their lifestyles and make do. There is no cure for allergies, but immunologists and other researchers have developed ways to manage reactions when they occur. Many of these treatments are over-the-counter medications that relieve symptoms. Some of the most common are antihistamines. As the name suggests, antihistamines block histamine from causing the symptoms associated with allergic reactions. The Benadryl that Morgan Smith took when his gums started itching is one of the most popular antihistamines on the market. Another vital treatment is corticosteroids. They come in several forms, including nasal sprays, skin creams, and oral tablets. They help reduce the swelling associated with allergies and relieve itchiness. In addition, there are two types of immunotherapy treatments that are effective at reducing allergy symptoms. Allergy shots and sublingual immunotherapy, also known as SLIT. The main difference between the two types is in how they are administered. While allergy shots are given as an injection, slit treatments are given orally, placed under the tongue. In both cases, the treatment works by administering small quantities of an allergen to an allergic patient. The dose is gradually increased over time. As the potency goes up, the patient becomes progressively more tolerant of the allergen. Symptoms become less severe and sometimes disappear altogether. Allergy shots are effective for people who have allergies to pollen, pet dander, insect stings, and dust. It's also helpful for those who suffer from asthma, which is often allergy-induced. Slit treatments are more limited, but can be effective for people who have allergies to ragweed, grass, and dust mites. Neither treatment is effective for people with food or drug allergies. But there are immunotherapy trials currently in progress for food allergies like Morgan's. In February 2020, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration approved a new drug called Palforzia, which is designed to treat the most common food allergy, peanuts. The drug is taken orally, and like other immunotherapy treatments, it slowly increases the dose over time in order to desensitize patients to the allergen. But these sorts of treatments can't be effective for everyone. Some people are left simply managing their intolerances, but they can still live happy and productive lives. Avoidance of the substance is key, 
as well as ensuring that epinephrine is always close at hand. Just going into a restaurant can cause significant anxiety for someone like Morgan. He has to pay close attention to every meal he orders because one careless chef or waiter can be the difference between life and death. Years after that first life-threatening reaction, Morgan wrote a blog post for Allergic Living magazine. He spoke of the special considerations he had to make while studying abroad in his college years. In countries where English wasn't the primary language, he had to be careful about which waiters he ordered from. A mistranslation could result in more than a ruined meal. It could mean life-threatening anaphylactic shock. He told his friends about his allergies and warned them of how to spot the first signs of a reaction. Luckily, Morgan's travel companions never needed to use that information, in part because they exercised an abundance of caution. Anytime Morgan worried that a restaurant was unsafe for him, or even if he got a bad vibe, they'd opt to cook for themselves instead. Luckily, Morgan's friends understood the severity of the issue and supported his decisions. It's especially important for people in education, service industries, and healthcare to understand the reality of these conditions. They should recognize that we all have a role to play in making society safe for those at risk of severe allergic reactions. And those who suffer from allergies need to take them seriously as well. One study found that among those who died from anaphylactic shock over a 14-month period in the United States, none had epinephrine available at the time of the initial reaction. This was despite the fact that at least half of them had been prescribed an EpiPen. Morgan Smith survived his severe allergic reaction because his father and sister did all the right things. When it comes to severe allergies, Anything less than constant vigilance and careful preparation is a recipe for disaster. Thanks for listening to Medical Mysteries. For more information on Morgan Smith and his battles with allergies, we found his parents' blog, AllergicChild.com, especially helpful to our research. You can find all episodes of Medical Mysteries and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals like Medical Mysteries for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Medical Mysteries on Spotify, just open the app, tap Browse, and type Medical Mysteries in the search bar. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. We'll see you next time. Medical Mysteries was created by Max Cutler and is a Parcast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Anthony Valsic, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Medical Mysteries was written by Scott Christmas with writing assistance by Maggie Admire and stars Molly Brandenburg and Richard Rossner. <laughs>